0: Welcome to another episode of The 1099. As always, I'm your host, Joseph Noop, and I hope you are all staying safe and sound. But you know who is not staying safe and sound? Those poor, miserable humans in Carrion, the new reverse horror game from Phobia Game Studio, out now on Switch, PC, and Xbox Game Pass. That's the greatest deal in gaming right now. And with me today, I'm very honored to have game and level designer, Christoph Pomitsky. Christoph, how are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great, thanks, and glad to be here with you today.
0: Coming to me all the way from uh, wonderful Poland. Uh, are are you and your uh, your code? De- it's you and uh, one other developer on Carry On. Are you both uh, based in Poland?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, pretty much the whole team is is Polish. sans, sans the composer who Chris Velasco, who's uh, living in LA uh so yeah the, the only us citizen and non-polish citizen uh yeah <laughs> in the team uh yeah so so we're all based in poland funnily enough we're all from from different cities and we work completely re- remotely uh yeah so so i live in krakow sebastian's the game director slash programmer slash artist slash almost everything <laughs> uh, lives in warsaw <laughs> and our sound designer maciej is from zielna which is next to the german border so we're all all over the place pretty much nice
0: well, I, I haven't – I'm very close to finishing Carry On. I've been kind of trying to power through it, and uh, I think I'm almost near the end. But I, I've i really enjoyed my time with the game, not just because it's it's a really solidly designed, like, Metroidvania experience, but also because it just – it tickles that fancy of the horror movie or, like – death metal t-shirt fan that i am uh of course you know for those who don't know carry on you play you play the monster kind of trying to escape from uh an underground facility uh staffed by you know pitiful humans who you are about to eat think the blob or the thing uh, and it, it was really surprising how well that experience grafts on to a metroidvania experience uh so awesome job on that. And I'm glad that the reception seems to be pretty strong so far. So I would love to, you know, you mentioned we we were talking about Poland there before I dive into some of my uh, other questions. It's funny. I, when I talked to uh, uh, a couple of developers who were making a square Enix game called outriders, we were talking about Polish uh, people can fly is based in Poland. And I uh, got the chance to talk with the writer, about uh how polish writing like very witcher style or uh or other polish uh properties kind of has this weird like dark humor aspect to it Um uh, like it, it it these are grim universes but they are able to uh find a little bit of dark humor through that grimness is that something that you experience uh living in poland and getting to digest uh the stuff that comes out of there much more readily than maybe someone over here in america
1: Yeah, that could be it, you know like Poles in general have a very dark sense of humor, and and I think might be you know the Polish history and the country technically speaking not existing for, for years at times in in our history and so on and the communism uh, that uh, you know people have a very specific uh, way of seeing things and basically you know uh, like we always complain for example <laughs> and and it's never good yeah. <laughs> uh, and i guess it's something that uh, shows through through our work that it it's al- always very you know also sarcastic and ironic very often so it's uh, you know it's rarely do we have anything that's uh, just you know lighthearted and and <laughs> just make you feel good with with no, uh, you know, subtext. Even our comedies, ones that aren't supposed to be dark, they turn out to be pretty dark and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) not that uh, hilarious when you think about it. Uh, I mean, they they can be very funny, but, uh, yeah, (laughs) it's not your regular kind of humor, (laughs) definitely.
0: Right, right. It's not the uh, it's not the knock, the typical knock knock kind of humor. Yeah, it's funny you say that, too, because I found so much of Carrion to be a very humorous experience. And in fact, it seems like a lot of the the marketing for the game has uh, leaned into some of the humor. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it. But there is a a puppet that reminds me of Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs that you guys <laughs> have used in a lot of your marketing. I, I I'm glad you got that reference. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's just start from the beginning. Uh, what was y- you and uh, what's the name of your fellow uh, co developer?
1: Uh, Sebastian Uh I don't expect you to say his uh, to pronounce his last name. <laughs>
0: Sebast- Sebastian is easy enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh uh what so what were those early conversations but was this an idea that both of you have like had for a long time or uh just something that you really wanted to explore or like did the idea of reverse horror pop up after playing too many uh straightforward survival horror games what were the first like ideas of saying you know we should make a game that like personifies the blob
1: yeah so so it was mostly Sebastian's idea and he was very interested uh, in yeah. making the player uh, control this some kind of amorphous creature, you know. It was very interesting from like technical sp- standpoint. So so it didn't necessarily start as a reverse horror because, you know, it's not like, oh, we played so many, I don't know, Resident Evil, Silent Hills or whatever. Now let's take that and, and reverse it. No, it was more like, how it would feel to control this this creature and then it kind of you know like the, the natural consequence of of you playing us as, as something uh that looks like you know a, a bunch of of uh, meatballs connected by bloody spaghetti <laughs> uh <laughs> uh you know it, it was pretty natural to just follow it uh, with this reverse horror idea, plus our previous game, Butcher, uh, where you, you controlled a, a cyborg that was set to exterminate all of humanity, a very kind of Terminator esque uh, setup. Uh, so <laughs> you're playing basically a bad guy in Butcher, uh, so was like the natural uh, first step in, in us going the you know, full-on reverse horror route with, with Carrion. Uh, yeah, so, so it was that way. It was started with the monster, and and then uh, it evolved naturally. Was there, a, was there
0: a stage of the development process where uh, Carrion was not a, like, very Metroidvania experience? Did you, like, ever experiment with other genres or kind of archetypes of game design?
1: Yeah, so maybe not really experimented, but at first, uh, back when Sebastian was only prototyping the the movement and and the eating mechanics and the the general interactions uh, with the world and so on, uh, yeah, we weren't really sure what kind what kind of game it would turn out to be. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. in, in the very first prototypes, you'd just run into people and absorb them automatically. It was more like, you know, b- very bloody Katamari. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it, it was pretty fun, but it was like five minutes fun, not not necessarily five hours fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but there were different ideas, like maybe there would be more of the monsters and it would be sort of, a I don't know, strategy game or, or something. Or uh, Yeah, it wasn't until we a lockdown the design of, of the different uh of the different skills, the general skill progression and, and the class system that uh you know it was just natural that if if you can earn different abilities uh then metroidvania is is a pretty good fit for for the game. Plus it's yeah it's not exactly uh, your typical metroidvania in the way it's it's structured like we it's very light on on obligatory backtracking like literally there are maybe three instances uh, during which you're expected to go back uh, to some level you've previously explored uh, everything else is, is optional in that sense and uh, that sense i mean there are several reasons for that but mostly because in order to Keep this uh, reverse horror vibe. Uh, we didn't want to respond uh, the humans. I mean, what kind of horror would that be? What what kind of uh, you know uh, terrifying creature would you be if after leaving the room everyone popped back uh, yeah. alive and and everyone was fine and dandy and were like, uh, I mean, what's the point of of killing everyone? So uh, and we think that this this. Uh, feeling you you get when when you go back somewhere and it's just blood and and everything is destroyed and, and sometimes there are some corpses. Assuming you haven't eaten all of them, uh, it, it was very uh, very important to us that, that it feels that way. It's it's sort of like in you know like Miami when you finish a, a level and you go back through all the bodies, yeah. all the carnage. Uh, yeah, if if it wasn't there. It would lose half of its impact, so so yeah, that that's something we also wanted to include in the in the game, and uh, that meant that backtracking couldn't be too too extensive because you no, know, it's not uh, your typical okay. Now I'm going through these five guys again, only with my new abilities, so this time it's faster, so I'm having more fun, and you're reexploring the same areas for like 10 or 20 times now it's more uh you know kind of streamlined in that aspect but pushing forward yeah, yeah. yeah. you
0: gotta get you're you're the monster and you want to get out you don't want to uh stay here too long kind yeah of idea. definitely yeah you mentioned butcher. I I failed to uh, research that. I, I should have taken a look because that sounds like a fascinating concept of like you are the the Terminator uh, coming back in time to to kill humanity. It it sounds like the uh, a very typical um, <laughs> like the game you would see Bart Simpson get. You know, uh, <laughs> like butcher butcher for this time it's personal. But uh, there is a fascinating aspect to uh, game design. Uh, you know K- carry on and, and butcher aren't the first ones to do it, but there aren't that many that I can think of off the top of my head where the player is meant to embody the bad guy um even even in a lot of gritty games uh, you are often like if you're 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 an anti-hero or you're a hero uh, and you're trying to you, there's always someone doing something worse than you a lot of times and uh what what kind of like interesting challenges? does like gameplay design wise or story wise does that present you guys when you say like okay we're gonna make we're gonna make you the monster we're gonna make you the uh the threat that everyone is running from
1: yeah so so in the case of carrion we we didn't want you know to have the the monster read through uh, abandoned crew logs, or or listen to a bunch of audio logs, or I don't know, have conversations with everyone. Or uh, I mean, <laughs> how do you feel w- about getting eaten? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be very fitting. So we opted for uh, a very uh, non straightforward uh, type of of storytelling uh, mostly environmental storytelling <laughs> uh, which is you know the uh, the game's story and, and lore are told pretty much all through through the environments the the clues you see somewhere like you know those those led displays with with some text from the Uh, from the members of the science teams and so on or you also have those uh, flashbacks uh, which also give you some some background uh, story behind uh, everything but those also aren't explicit like no they're kind of similar in that aspect to let's say another world because there's no dialogue the you only get some uh, some clues from from the items you can you can find like around like this skeleton or or a patch of moss and so on you can inspect them and and get a small small hint as to you know what location you're in and and so on but uh, yeah it's it's not something that uh, everyone really uh, is expecting from games nowadays like most have you know very straightforward uh, in your face, fifteen-minute cutscenes, uh, way of of telling stories, and that's something people generally expect, unless they're playing um, from software game, because those those also rely mostly on on environmental storytelling or storytelling via uh, item descriptions. So that was a pretty strong inspiration here. Uh, but yeah, in, in general, uh, when you're playing as as the bad guy, or at least as a creature that's evil, uh, we think that going light on, uh, or maybe not really light, but uh, not uh, being too uh, too literal with the story is is very important mm. because you know over explaining things. Is, is never good in in horrors especially ones that you know feature 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 various monsters like alien is is much cooler when you don't have a, a whole movie or a set of movies dedicated to you know explaining where the, the alien the came story, from
0: the origin
1: yeah, yeah it's some some things are better left untold and left for speculation especially that ever since we've released some some gifs and and materials from the game people started coming up with their own theories as to what's the origin of the monster what's its nature etcetera whether it's an alien or an experiment gone wrong or maybe it's just uh, leftover spaghetti that's mutated over time and <laughs> went on a rampage. So, yeah, it's it's something we didn't want to take away from the community. So despite us uh, exploring the the origins of the monster rabbit in the game and so on, uh, nothing was too explicit so that there would still be some room for, for different theories and interpretations.
0: I'll never look at spaghetti the same way again (laughs) thanks it's one of my favorite dishes but uh, you know and the when you have a a game quote-unquote protagonist like the the monster in carry-on or uh, another kind of um, voiceless protagonist it it does allow players to sort of yeah um, put their own interpretation onto that character say like okay here's why here's what I think or why I think uh, this monster wants out, you know, maybe it's misunderstood, or you know, if you enjoy, like, no, it's just a, it's just a hungry man-eating machine. You can put that onto the monster too, and like it's as, it's as valid uh, a, a storytelling decision as anything the game developer wanted to put in there. Um, and that's interesting here. I, I had seen that uh, on Twitter there was a lot of fan art, and. I, I shouldn't be shocked because, like, I am the guy who listens to bands like, you know, Infant Annihilator and and like lots of death metal and death core and, and stuff like that, where, you know, they're selling album covers and T-shirts with horribly grisly imagery and whatnot. Uh, I, sh- I guess I shouldn't be surprised that Slither or uh, not Slither, uh, Slither Slither is a movie uh, that Carrion is uh, uh, finding a same audience like that. Yeah, what's it been like to see um, people put their own spin on this creature and this kind of uh, horror setting that you designed and uh, did it did anyone kind of share a theory or like at least or an interpretation of uh, the monster that kind of kind of really amused you or uh, piqued your interest
1: oh yeah there's plenty and you know it's I'm enjoying all kinds of of fan art, whether it's it's just some some joke fun art, like someone grabbing a, a red brush and and making some circles with it, and see it's it's the monster, and we're like, yeah. <laughs> uh, or <laughs> whether someone's put the hours upon hours into making it, uh, we're enjoying it all. You know, some people make like kawaii, very cute interpretations of yeah. the monster with with huge. Eyelashes on the eyes and so on, and that's that's also hilarious. Also, some memes, like or, or meme emojis, like like the Karen monster uh, with a hat uh, that it's tipping, and you know it's saying "Milady" and <laughs> things like that. So <laughs> so so it's all great, and uh, it's it's fantastic that people actually want to to sacrifice their time making this this stuff because you know, it's it's uh, not every day you, you make something that people like enough to, to start making their their own interpretations of it and it's absolutely great. Plus, you know we That's a- yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think that uh, there's also a pretty strong war crowd that's <laughs> enjoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, carry on. So that's that's also pretty pretty hilarious
0: oh boy that that should be an episode unto itself uh vore in gaming um the the history of getting eaten but yeah
1: carry on and and kirby
0: carry yes kirby oh my god my part my partner just bought me a um a kirby handkerchief that they got like on some etsy store or whatever but uh i was like yeah anytime it's always the great joke of like you know, if Kirby eats this person, what do their powers become? And it's like uh Kirby and the Mon. Maybe that's why I like Carrion so much cuz I love Kirby games is there's the the pink cute side of me mixing up with the bloody uh annihilator side of me. Uh yeah. that that's awesome. You, you
1: you could make it like, you know, some some podcast episode name from from Kirby to Carrion From Kirby to, to Ki- Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would that would click, I think.
0: Yeah that 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 would uh, that would get click. Yeah, that would get clicks. That would get plenty. Uh, I that that's so funny too. And uh, horror horror properties like that, like we talked a bit ago, um, uh, being able to uh wonder about the mystery of a monster before it gets ruined by sequels and and backstory explanations and whatnot that that is why so many monsters um uh yeah do do stick in our mind for so long the the alien movies the first predator uh uh you know J- Jason and etc cetera, etc cetera, uh countless slashers and whatnot but uh yeah that 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 strikes me as so fascinating that the stories can impact an audience more effectively if there's less story there right and i i did like the the flashback sequences um that you can discover uh where you play as a human uh as part of like a team of scientists or or researchers kind of investigating this underground facility or working in it and uh i i liked the moments where it's like it had that dark Soulsian kind of environmental storytelling of like, I don't really know what went on here, but something definitely happened here. Like I know in my bones that something bad happened here or will probably happen very soon here. Uh, so it's interesting to hear you say that dark souls is an influence. Cause I, I played bloodborne for the first time uh, earlier, just earlier this year. And I got kind of a full whiff of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Funny enough. Uh, all the souls and, and games and, and Bloodborne were also a very strong influence for me uh, designing the levels themselves, you know, the, the oh, way cool. you explore them and they almost always uh, loop on themselves uh, and you find those shortcuts and so on. And uh, like technically speaking, you do have uh, backtracking there, but you almost never have to literally backtrack. On, you know through the same chambers it's just you end up being uh, in the same place eventually and you're like oh this is this is very smart so oh this elevator took me there and wow yeah. mind blowing it's all connected so that's something something that uh, that was definitely a main influence on the level design here especially that we uh, did a uh, very controversial thing nowadays and have not included a map in the game
0: you know before we before we dive into uh some of the like uh, fun questions about you know horror movies and then books and whatnot i you being a level designer i would be very fascinated to learn a bit more about that you guys uh, apparently used a software called tiled uh to make the game's levels right yeah yeah Uh... i uh I, I I was fascinated to learn about that because, like, there are people now making uh, custom levels, uh, at least, like, on the PC version. And uh, it, it's been interesting to see a couple. I think I saw a couple of people share, like, map layouts or something or, like, maybe a, a simple screenshot uh, from whatever they're de- developing. Um, I, I guess, first off, how challenging is it to create uh, a series of levels like this that feel natural and intuitive when you yourself are a monster that kind of defies uh physics and and is careening around these areas so fast because i that's what i partially loved about the human flashback portions is you're moving comparatively so slow through those environments having to use a ladder or like having to jump down and that really highlights the uh the the fear that a human must feel when it sees a creature like the monster, uh, rushing down a hallway being like, Nope, there's, there's no way I'm getting rid of this. So how did you go about, uh, designing those levels, uh, at least, uh, out of the gate and, and what did you kind of learn along the way as far as, uh, uh, accommodating the monsters, uh, set?
1: Yeah. So, so it was surprisingly, or, or maybe not so surprisingly challenging, uh, yeah, because as you said, uh, the monster doesn't really obey regular laws of, of of physics, and you know it being kind of a platformer but without any sort of actual platforming makes it incredibly challenging to to come up with some uh, some interesting uh, you know obstacles for for the creature because you don't really think about it but gravity and uh, you know, just the fact that something's too far, uh, too too high or too low for you to just you know jump up or jump down without killing yourself—it's just out of your reach. Uh, that's one of the uh, most common obstacles in in games in which you you control the character directly. So you know all the Uncharted, Doom Raiders, and and. Well, almost every game out there makes use of of gravity uh, as one of the main obstacles. Since you know, uh, like it's probably as common as uh, a locked door which you need to find a, a key card for, or mm-hmm. or you know just placing some enemy. Uh, it's like super common, and when you take away that from from the game uh you're facing uh you know something a, a totally different beast when <laughs> when it comes to to designing the the levels so we had to get pretty creative with with uh, what the monster can do how it can interact with the environment uh, so that we could come up with some interesting puzzles uh so that it wouldn't all be just you know oh here's a door so pull this lever and and you're through and and that's it because you know with the monster being so so fast when it traverses and it being able to get absolutely everywhere you see uh yeah that that forced us to uh to come up with with various non non-standard solutions and that's also one of the reasons why we opted for what we call uh a mass based class system. So, so this, uh, system that, uh, forces you to, to swap between different sizes of, of the monster, mm. uh, to access different, different skills, uh, because that way, uh, we don't have to rely only on the classic Metroidvania trope of, okay. So once you find this, this weapon, this skill, this, this thing. You can use it absolutely everywhere at all times and basically there's like very often Metroidvanias don't have actual puzzles in them, it's just finding the right tool with which you then have to backtrack through half the game and and find those few places that you can now interact with uh, using this this new tool and uh, we wanted it to be a bit more engaging. Mm-hmm. So that's why, uh, you know, just just unlocking uh, a new ability isn't isn't uh, like uh, the end of of this particular uh, obstacle. It's not like oh, you can just always always use this. I don't know uh, invisibility skill or rather you know bend light like like the predator kind of <laughs> and and fast lasers now you you sometimes have to start manipulating your your mass and and start uh, thinking creatively about what you can use where and in what sequence and and kind of you know start this this uh, conscious rotation between between the classes and i think that's that's what makes it a bit more engaging than if you had everything on you at all times and you yeah. could just power through every single puzzle without giving it a second thought. It uh
0: it, it does com- create
1: these really compelling uh, puzzle scenarios.
0: It's it's funny like so much of the the game's trailers and and the gifs you will see on on social media are of course of the monster like wrecking house and, and eating somebody or or just killing so- like destroying a, a mech or something. Uh, but there is a surprising amount of uh, puzzle to the game and like getting like, how, how does the monster get out of this area and move on to the next area or get the next power? And I did like that uh, aspect of um, having to switch between the multiple levels of the monster. It, of course, it, it calls back to uh, horror movies where, you know, the blob is only getting bigger uh, and, and more dangerous, but also it provided scenarios where um i as the player had those really good puzzly aha moments uh whereas i there's a an instance um where you go into a large room and a bunch of very tiny like electrified drones come out at you and you're forced before you get into that room you're forced to uh uh go back down to level one the smallest form of the monster and uh uh that's the only way you can get into the next room. So you're weaker uh, than you would have been otherwise, but that also allows you to use the, like, web shooter power um, to stun the drones and then mess with them. And it took me a couple of tries to be like, what am I... Man, I keep running around and I keep trying to grab them. What am I doing wrong? Oh, oh, I completely forget, like, this power I haven't used in, like, 10 or 15 minutes. Aha, that, that seems to me like a really strong element of puzzle design so i'm sure that you guys uh had a very interesting time grafting monster abilities onto puzzle design
1: yeah yeah it it was probably the most time consuming thing when it comes to, to level design so we had most of the skills designed and implemented or at least roughly implemented in the game fairly early on but then you know coming up with with those puzzle steps and also uh, utilizing those puzzles to make the uh, the action the the combat sequence that that follows it more interesting as you notice yourself, like we're forcing the player to to become the smallest form, uh, so that the the next encounter is is more challenging and it uh, it requires you to utilize skills you wouldn't necessarily use otherwise yeah well, it's it's it was very important to us to to have this variety and you know not having the largest form be always the answer to to every question because i mean that would be natural right because it has the most firepower let's call it and and the most uh like the largest health pool so why would you go, get smaller willingly otherwise right uh, so so yeah that's that's something one of the main things we wanted to to use the the puzzles and and the class system for
0: i i think it also is like a really strong callback to um classic horror movies like the thing where of course the the surviving humans are trying to stop the creature by any means necessary and uh a couple of times they will get close they'll be like haha we discovered you and we're we're you know lighting you on fire or we're shooting you and uh uh, but lo and behold, the creature is able to sort of separate itself into multiple entities and, uh, uh, skitter away to grow another day. And that to me is, uh, probably one of the more obvious calls. but I would love to know, like, you know, you, you say you have, a uh, the usual, uh, affinity for, you know, Polish, uh, dark humor and, and uh the stories that come out of there but what are your uh, favorite like horror movies or novels or uh, or games or just any sort of like horror dark experiences that you uh kind of have kind of taken through your life
1: there's plenty obviously when it comes to to the direct influences that you can see in in the game itself that would be most obviously the thing because that's that was the direct inspiration behind the the monsters uh, general looks and and this you know, uh, amorphousness, <laughs> uh, but there are also other fairly obvious uh, ones, like, like the predator, uh, like some of the skills, not necessarily the looks because, you know, predator is very humanoid, but, uh, like the, the cloaking device, the predator has that was uh, a direct inspiration behind the, uh, the skill, the photokinesis skill, that also allows you to to bend light and, and you know bypass enemies or and lasers and and so on. And uh, it's it's uh, a skill you unlock in the botanical gardens, which are basically a, a jungle environment for a reason. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's a direct callback to to the predator. Also, you have some alien in there, like you know the, the way the the monster can uh, launch itself at at enemies uh, and and some of its hissing and and and
0: events and whatnot yeah yeah yeah
1: there's lots of of alien in there uh, as well that's when it comes to to other things uh, i like i mean I generally like any good, or not necessarily good, or <laughs> sometimes bad ones are actually more entertaining. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, there's there's lots of of stuff. I I've often like uh, Asian horrors more than Western ones. For example, uh, you know. Obviously, things like like varying, that's that's great, mm. and that's that's something you don't really have in in current. Like, <laughs> we don't have little girls with with long dark hair, yeah, <laughs> getting hey. out of TVs. Although that actually that would be funny if we played as as uh, a, a Japanese horror uh girl <laughs> that would be great yeah
0: or like pop yeah. pop out of tvs wherever you want or something like that or you could do like uh inside from uh what was it play play Dead or whatever that studio is but uh, yeah. uh where it turns out the boy you've been controlling is actually like being controlled by the uh giant blob monster uh that is trying to like consume him or whatnot uh you could have <laughs> you could have samara from the ring come out at the end of carry on and be like hey i missed you how are you <laughs> uh
1: yeah. great. uh f- funny thing you, you mentioned inside because uh, uh once we revealed the game uh like every second comment was oh it's like the ending of insight oh and uh back then i haven't played inside yet so they basically spoiled <laughs> the oh. ending for me oh, Like kind spoiled inside for me and t- i eventually <laughs> did play it some uh, like several months later and turns out it's not really that similar i mean it- there is a blob, but that's like all, all the similarities. Because blob f- works differently, looks differently. Everything's different about it. Yeah. <laughs> but for some reason, everyone's like, "Oh, this is like the ending of Inside turned into a a, a full game." and I'm like, eh, well, well, okay. If if that's what you're seeing, then <laughs> okay, why not?" <laughs>
0: That, that, that ending to that game was very peculiar, I thought, because I was like, oh, okay, cool, you, like, this this character that I've been embodying along the way and that, like, I'm attached to, like, I don't want to, I don't, I want to see him live and succeed. Uh, turns out he was this thing that I can't possibly understand um, that is just trying to get out of this this facility. And, and the fact that, like, the game also ends with... Um, you're you're still like sort of trapped in the facility like a a part of your escape was like orchestrated or or at least like it's a false hope kind of thing rung very interestingly to me but um you know why why do you think that obviously like there's there's conventions and magazines and now there's you know even channels like shutter which is basically the netflix of horror movies Uh, but body horror and kind of the like writhing mass horror you know the blob slither uh, a little bit of like the fly uh, or the thing of course why do you think that monster designs like those uh, really strike with studio with uh, audiences uh, when of course you know there there's countless variants of of slashers and there's different versions of aliens but like the here's a writhing mass of flesh just coming at you you put on on paper it seems like a boring uh design of like well the monster is just this big ball of flesh but like when you see it and when you like experience it it is like oh wow this is this is pretty crazy why do you think that stuff like that really resonates with audiences
1: that's that's a pretty good question Uh, i think it might be sort of because we can in a way relate to to those uh, things uh, in in some weird way I mean like you know body horror and everything related to to human anatomy and uh, you know body fluid sexuality and so on it's it's uh, not entirely you know abstract so it's it's uh, easier to to get you know this kind of repulsive, a reaction to it and and it's fascinating because it's it's gruesome and and something that kind of hmm, you know it's it's not a, a entirely unknown like for example if you take something different for like a cosmic horror uh, mm. where often you don't even uh, really uh, I mean, sometimes of, of obviously you have the tentacles and so on. It, it, cosmic horror also uh, tends to to eventually turn into into that type of body horror, but sometimes it's just this unknown cosmic entity that you can't really see, and and it, it is fascinating in a totally different way. But it's not necessarily. Uh, you get a really different reaction to it, like it's more of an you know existential crisis for example or, or something like that but not necessarily a uh, a direct sense of of uh, fear and uh, and uh, it's it's also something that's i guess it's harder to portray like there's a reason why most of cosmic horror is, is uh, just in, in novels like H.P. Lovecraft and, yeah. and so on it's something that transfers not that greatly on onto screen or or video games, well, Bloodborne is one of the very few exceptions that do uh cosmic horror justice, but you also have this strong body horror aspect to it with those you know mutations, people turning into into uh ugly monsters and also the the old ones uh you know. Like uh, impregnating humans and so on. That's eventually it almost always ends in some kind of body horror. Uh, and yeah, that's I, I guess someone must have done some like uh, paper on, on the other, the topic because it yeah it's it's a good question why the, why people really uh, like kind of sometimes even get obsessed with, with this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, you know, l- listening to you kind of talk about it kind of makes me think of um you know, we think about uh, uh games and movies that don't necessarily age well are usually because uh either either the the systems that they um you know employ the the mechanics that they employ are outdated or the look is dated and I think that's why uh even even like the classic slasher series, you know, st- They're still classic and like they still did things really uh, well early on. But like, you know, a a movie set in the 70s and shot in the 70s will eventually look pretty dated unless the director or something, you know, did very something very peculiar with it. It's that stylization that helps a horror movie uh, set itself apart, um, you know, the actual care being taken as opposed to churning it out for a quick buck and, you know, killing six characters and calling it a day. But uh, uh, when, when I think of something like the blob and I think of like the kills from the blob, I I think of how uh, drastically morphed every victim's body uh, becomes because they, they look like Picasso uh, uh, drawings of real human people because, you know, they're using like a, a a dummy and they're like smearing it with acid and they're like, you know, surrounded by jelly and, and crazy, crazy like body morphing stuff. I think that that's why even a even a like lesser known movie like the 1980s blob. Uh, it, I know people it, it's like a cult classic. It's not necessarily like, oh, yeah, remember the blob in 1980s? It's that one sticks out to me because it went that extra mile with. You know, here every kill is something like really drastically unique. Uh, but also, it's you'll you'll remember what every victim looks like because they were changed so uh, dramatically by the time the blob was basically done with them. Uh, every kill from the from the dude getting ripped down a kitchen sink and his leg being like thrown around the drain, or like the ki- the the like one kid kill they have in the movie where. Uh, the kid gets like yanked back into the water, and then comes back up, and like he's basically like washed with acid. You know, his like skeleton and and musculature is exposed, and everything. I think that's why stuff like that really sticks out is because it's a stylization rather than going for a gritty realism. Right? Is yes, it's it's ridiculous to think of uh a blob creature running down the hallway and carry on and just like wrecking house uh, but also it's terrifying in the way that it, like that cosmic horror too, it's unknowable. You don't know what this creature wants. you don't know what like level of intelligence it has uh and it is it is a complete unknown to you, and there is no way you're stopping it like you think I'm on the mark there
1: yeah yeah i I totally agree with you uh, yeah, stylized body horror even if technically speaking it ages it it's still like uh remains memorable and and uh, even if if the particular visuals age then the concept and the general uh outcome stays with you and that's something yeah that's regular slashers with just someone running around with with the knife they don't really have that like i don't know for example do you remember any of the uh of the victims in, in scream I...
0: other than like the celebrities that like went on to do cool things not really no yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah that, that 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 was definitely uh like even though scream was itself sort of playing on horror tropes uh it There's there's parts of like Scream two and three that are like very poorly dated and are also like, okay, come on, this isn't nearly as uh, uh, self-aware, inventive or unique as you think it is, um, because it's still just like playing on slasher tropes. Whereas like, could you imagine a Scream movie that plays on uh, alien tropes or or blob tropes of like, well, okay, we know. We know a monster like that is going to get bigger every time it eats something. So like, how do we, you know, I, that's also why I think certain movies like Tucker and Dale versus evil, even though that that's playing on, um, hillbilly, uh, horror movie tropes is so smart is because the, the group of dumb teens are like, they're, they're not aware enough of the tropes. So they are the ones dying. And while the hillbillies are just like, Oh my God, we're so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, yeah, you know, speaking, speaking of some of the tropes too, I think we'll, we'll wrap up with this question here before we, um, uh, uh, fully stop there. Uh, I would love to know uh, the first time I saw a mech in Carrion and seeing a human piloting, you know, this little bipedal Gatling gun mech. I was like, Oh, that's, that's definitely like an alien, sort of reference or like some other sci-fi
1: uh horror yeah, action it, yeah uh i could it I could, was uh, aliens that yeah thing.
0: <laughs> i i could hear ripley screaming get away from her you bitch uh and uh, the the humans in the game it's interesting to see um some of the way that they evolve to to counteract uh the monster of course right out of the gate it's nothing but like office workers and scientists uh trying to run for their lives and hiding in corners but then you get the shield guys uh who kind of feel like the kind of like the guys in predator it's like they think that they can take it down themselves but like they didn't account for the fact that like the monster is just plain smarter than them and then the mechs are the obvious alien call out and like are just incredibly threatening so what was it like kind of designing some of the uh, the ways the humans in the world react to the monster, and what did those look like as you were uh, designing them?
1: Well, hmm. uh, obviously we started with with screaming and, and running away, yeah, <laughs> because that was the the most es- essential part of, of the game. In fact, uh, we told our our sound designer that there's a limit on every kind of sound eventually that you can have enough of. Uh, i don't know uh, variants of of weapons and and bullets uh, ricochets and stuff like that uh, enough variants of of wood breaking and so on but when there's if there's one thing we will never put a limit on is the amount of screams yeah. we can have in the game. So, so that was super important, especially that, uh, for example, when we had the very first trailers and and the, the first demos, uh, there weren't enough screams like. Uh, they would uh, quite quickly start repeating themselves and some were too characteristic so we'd go like oh no, th- it's this scream again so yeah, it it took a long time to, to get enough screams of, of high enough quality that people wouldn't complain and thankfully nobody complains about the screams anymore so, so I guess we have enough of them <laughs> uh, finally uh, but yeah uh, I think that uh, we're just looking for additional challenge because the game Well, at first was was too easy Mm, like for example the The armored guys they didn't have shields at first so other than them having higher firepower and and being inedible They weren't much more of a threat than than the regular dudes with with uh, pistols with handguns, so so yeah for example uh, the the energy shields they're kind of groundbreaking in in the games design because it actually enforced you to to act smarter you know start yeah. for example roaring and and uh, approaching the the guards from behind or utilizing different skills uh, and uh, yeah it it made a major difference and we obviously also had to boost uh, the the weapon damage quite a lot that i mean the game started being actually fun in combat when when the monster became somewhat fragile so it's it's extremely powerful it can kill everyone very quickly like most most encounters can last mere seconds be- yeah. <laughs> before you're done with with the enemies but uh you're kind of this this glass cannon so if if you don't act smartly uh, and don't utilize you know stealth covers or or use your different skills uh, correctly then then you can get uh, mowed down pretty quickly and and some people actually complain how is it that the the people can actually kill the monster with with handguns and so on Uh, but it, it just wouldn't be fun at all if if nothing could stop right. the monster, yeah, yeah, the, the and oh well, yeah, uh, pa- obviously the the <laughs> sorry sorry no you go ahead uh, yeah the the flame throwers like they were a uh, very obvious thing for us to to do like mostly because of you know the thing like mm-hmm. the, the fire being the most effective thing. Uh, the most effective thing about against the thing right <laughs> uh, the most effective uh, tool in, in fighting different different creatures actually kind of effective against alien as well right uh, exactly I th- the,
0: the, the it's I, I failed to mention the flamethrower yeah that actually the first time I got hit with the flamethrower in on was a, a very interesting time because I was like oh oh I'm not I'm not turning off fire uh, I have to go find water <laughs> and uh, yeah. it really hammers home the fact that like fire is a pretty universal uh, fear, and like they, that was done really well in Alien: Isolation. Of course, um, that yeah. that that monster's AI like eventually learning like what how bad the fire hurt, and like would be willing to get closer to you, which added to the horror. But um, you know, before we, I, I completely failed. I, I've been failing this interview so much. <laughs> Not really, but uh, I, I needed to ask about the um, that that damn costume. Uh, You guys have for the carrion monster um, that has been like used in your trailers and like some of your like uh, we were talking before the recording uh, that there's a live stream uh, up right now on uh, the steam page. And it's just like footage of the carrion monster playing carrion and like it talks, it, it talked to Phil Spencer in like a recent, uh, ch- like the Devolver Digital, uh, uh, little digital expo yeah. thing. And yeah, the,
1: Devolver Direct,
0: where the hell did that come from? Was that like your idea, or was that Devolver Digital being like, let's do this? And yeah, that,
1: that was actually Devolver, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's hilarious, especially that they got. Uh, Phil Phil Spencer to to have a Zoom call with with the monster. That's, I mean, one of the highlights of of my video game (laughs) (laughs) development career. (laughs) Getting a a meat puppet uh, on a call with Phil Spencer. Uh, Yeah, but uh, that was totally the bother. Uh, And actually, you can kind of feel the difference between the humor in the game and like our kind of, you know, Polish... uh, brand of of dark humor in the game and the the humor of of the uh of devolver digital uh more you know american humor uh that uh, they utilize in in the marketing materials for for carrion the the puppet the way it talks it's 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 also hilarious but a totally different brand of humor in a way uh, if if you think about it, uh, and actually, if if you like the puppet, then I'm pleased to tell you that there's going to be some more of it. Oh yeah, uh, soon. Wonderful. <laughs> perhaps even when <laughs> perhaps even once once the this this podcast is live, it might already be out there. So yeah, definitely look forward to it, uh, because yeah, the the puppet's still not done. I mean, obviously they they made such a great puppet. Uh, with, it's great no, practical it, effects that it, it couldn't go to waste so so there's more of it it, it, re-
0: it really is a a more horror version of pizza the hut from space balls and uh <laughs> i i look forward to seeing that uh puppets star rise through the ages uh well it'll it'll be on stage at gdc giving an ambassador award talk eventually i'm sure <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, (laughs) that that would be great. Maybe maybe will win some some award for I don't know, for best reverse horror game. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Dominate the the category. (laughs) Yeah should come come on the stage and and take the uh the award that's be really great uh,
0: oh my god i cry at every gdc award show and i'm sure that will be no uh no exception seeing the the monster up on stage uh well dude christoph it has been an absolute honor to talk to you i really love carry on i've i uh considered it an honor to talk to any game dev and I thank you so much for giving us a little window into some of the design process you uh, guys went through over at Phobia Game Studios. Uh, and yeah, uh, Carry On is available now on Switch, PC, and Xbox Game Pass. Is it coming in, Is it coming to PlayStation at all in the future? Is that a thing that you can talk about?
1: Uh, I guess. I mean, it's something we'd like to do eventually like to do. Okay. In, in the future. It's you know mostly a matter of... Time and resources, because supporting every additional platform is always. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, a, a major hassle, for, especially with for YouTube. a small team. Yeah, like even with you know support of of uh, an experienced publisher such as Devolver and and even some third party porting teams also assisting with with some of it. Uh, it's always lots of of work, you know, all the certifications and so on. For sure. So. So yeah, it's it's something that just wasn't feasible for for the initial release, but we're hoping to eventually do it at at some point.
0: Well, yeah, and then where uh, where can people find you on social media if they want to follow your work and what you guys do uh, in the future?
1: Uh, yeah, so if they want the the most uh, intense and intimate experience with us, they can always join our Phobia Games Studio Discord and. They can obviously follow us on Twitter. Uh, uh, my Twitter handle is Kaloshtweets. Tweets. I guess you can link to it somewhere or if they just, you know, Google reverse horror, they will eventually <laughs> stumble <laughs> upon there. it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I guess uh, Discord or, or Twitter would be the best places, but also Facebook, wherever they can, they can shoot us uh, some message or, or, just follow us on, on that's whatever the, social media there
0: is. That's the, uh, that's the beauty of indie game dev is, uh, you, you can, you can sometimes hit someone up and be like, Hey, can I talk to you? How did I do that? And, uh, I uh, to make a long story short I'm doing voxel art these days and I saw I saw that like oh tiled like I could get this software and like create custom terrain levels so maybe I'll be hitting you up for uh reverse horror level design tips in the near future
1: but uh yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> but, I, I, actually I did give some some level design tips to to one of our most dedicated oh, cool. uh you know community level designers like some guys are have been creating their own levels ever since we did the uh, alpha sneak peek demo back in uh, October last year. Uh, it was a, you know like a, a Halloween demo, mm-hmm. and we didn't really block anything from from the game we had at that time. So they just dug through the whole thing and downloaded the title and started creating their own levels. So so we have. Uh, a pretty nice catalog of custom levels most working with the final game i think already and there's going to be more coming so that's that's pretty great it's always great to have the community create their own things with with your game
0: exactly especially with a game like carry on where you can tell there was just a there was a vision and it was executed on pretty pretty gloriously and gory And folks, you can find The 1099 on social media at The 1099 Podcast. Uh, We are on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, all the usual podcast platforms of your choice. You can find me on social media at josephnoop, J-O-S-E-P-H-K-N-O-O-P. Uh, let us know what you think of Carrion. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, feel free to leave a review on your platform of choice. That really helps us rise the ranks. And uh, as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in and make sure that you are staying safe. Christoph Homitsky, it has been an honor.
1: Yeah, it was great having uh, being invited here and, and having this this uh, episode with you. It's great. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so Go much. play Carrion. <laughs> Go play Carrion. All right. And... Yeah, buy it on every possible platform. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: yeah. Are you okay? No. Give me one second. Okay, my, I think my partner just destroyed something. But uh, okay, it looks like that is. Uh-huh.